0: Today's episode of The Movies That Made Her But Not Me is sponsored by FilmCred. Providing new film critics and writers in-depth feedback on their writing, FilmCred is made up of a community of collaborators dedicated to publishing insightful reviews, interviews, video essays, and coverage of film festivals. Visit film-cred.com to learn more. Hi, everyone. Before we get started, I just wanted to say a quick word about this week's episode. The movie Saturday Night Fever has a lot of heavy themes that I don't think a lot of people expect going into the movie. And so before we start our discussion, I just wanted to add a quick disclaimer in case people weren't expecting heavy themes to be discussed in this podcast. Lauren and I discussed things like suicide, racism, and rape in pretty extensive detail. So if that's not something that you're interested in listening to, we totally respect and understand that. And we look forward to having you listen to our next episode on the film Avatar.
1: Hello everyone, I'm Minna Stein and I'm Lauren Lloyd and you are listening to the movies that made her but not me. The podcast where we we discuss classic films from different generational perspectives. The classic film we are discussing today is the 1977 film Saturday Night Fever. The thing is the high get of 2001 is just dancing. It's not, it's not being a
0: best or nothing like that. You know, the thing is that I, I would like to get that high someplace else in my life, you know? Like where? I don't know where, I don't know, someplace. The, you see, dancing, it can't last forever. It's, it's a short-lived kind of thing. But I'm getting older, you know? And,
1: you know, I feel, like, I feel like, you know, so what? I'm getting older, does that mean like I can't feel that way about nothing left in my life, you know? Is that it? Listen, uh, we gotta split
0: here. No, I'll walk you the rest of the way.
1: No, I'll meet you at the dance studio, just like we said, okay? Stephanie, I can walk you home. Look, nothing personal, right? Oh, come on, Stephanie, I can walk you.
0: Let's set the scene. The movie is Saturday Night Fever. Directed by John Badham and starring John Travolta, Saturday Night Fever is a movie that has become the epitome of disco culture in the 1970s. Tony, played by Travolta, is a 19-year-old high school graduate who lives with his parents and works at a paint store. He lives a very drab and normal life during the week, but then on the weekends, he enters the world of disco, and he becomes a completely different person. In the 2001 Odyssey discotheque, Tony rules the dance floor. He's the best dancer, the hottest guy, and the most popular person in the room. This creates dissonance in his life, though, as he struggles to be an all-star disco guy in his everyday life as well as in the discotheque. As Tony prepares for an upcoming dance competition, his life begins to crumble around him and he struggles to hold it all together. The year is 1977. Audiences enjoyed Annie Hall in the spring and then in the winter filed into the theater to watch Saturday Night Fever. Snow fell in Miami, Florida for the first time in their history. Roots aired on television, Peter Finch became the first posthumous actor Oscar winner, and The Peanuts aired a special on CBS that ends the mystery over who the little red-haired girl is. Saturday Night Fever had a budget of $3.5 million, and it grossed $237.1 million worldwide. The film's album is one of the best-selling albums in history, and it holds the title for the second-highest best-selling soundtrack of all time, following The Bodyguard, which featured Whitney Houston's I Will Always Love You. Saturday Night Fever was selling 40 million copies to disco ducks all over the world, and Lauren Lloyd was one of those people who had caught that night fever. Lauren, tell me about the first time you saw Saturday Night Fever.
1: Well, first of all, 1977 was a great year for movies. My gosh. I think you might be a little jealous, Nina. Extremely jealous. That we had such good movies. <laughs> you don't. Okay, the first time I saw Saturday Night Fever was, um, oh my gosh. Uh, I saw it the you know the weekend that it came out. I was very interested in John Travolta, and I could not believe again what I was seeing. I felt like it was totally sexy and totally dangerous, and I like that. Okay, so um, <laughs> and it was also at the pre- pre- precise moment in my life that I was forming a vision of myself what I wanted my life in the future to be, and that's what this movie was about to me. But. again just the, the setup of the opening and the music you see all of new york you see brooklyn and then boom we're down with the feet moving the bg soundtrack and you know now everybody shows feet moving you know or feet stepping out of a car back then nobody did that when i saw that i was like oh my god what are we seeing and then you learn everything about tony in the first two minutes and that's extraordinary and it's all visual I mean you see his shiny shoes you see hit the paint in the can of paint in his hand his perfect hair he wants that shirt put it aside flirting with the woman BG soundtrack I was it, it blew my mind I just loved it I just loved it so right off the bat they talk about the um, I guess what keeps you down about how the, he and his friends feel about the world in the future. And I found that really um, interesting at the time. Like, fuck the future, the future fucks you. It's a dog-eat-dog world. Nobody's gonna give you a chance. And then you see Tony, who's full of aspirations. So that was super interesting. Um, I loved, it, it, you know, it was it the scenes that I so loved back then, I can almost remember word for word, seeing it again today. I mean the scene at the um, dinner with this Italian family and everyone's talking in the food and throwing food and hitting each other. Don't hit the hair. I couldn't believe that. Don't hit the hair. Like a guy was talking about his hair. I just couldn't believe it. Um, And then the the summation of that scene is no slapping at the dinner table. I, I just thought that was so funny. What I also was drawn to was the fashion You know, I mean, all those polyester suits. That was crazy. Fantastic. Chef's kiss. (laughs) And then the white, you know, those Italian, like, undershirts and their gold chains. And uh, I just thought, it just felt so uh, real. And when he's preparing for the night out, what? He's got those little black underwear on? I mean, who? I've never seen that. Little black underwear, totally working on the hair, completely preening. You never see a man preen. That was also extraordinary. And he was quite beautiful. I found his... He was quite beautiful and very, very vulnerable. And I think that if it weren't for John Travolta in that movie, I don't think that character would have been... I don't think the movie would have been such a success because that character could have been a raunchy, nasty son of a bitch.
0: I absolutely agree. When I watched it for the first time, which was just a couple of days ago, um, I had never seen it before. Mm -hmm. And I had a very preconceived notion of what the movie was going to be. It was going to be the record. It was going to be the Bee Gees. It was going to be dancing. And I had no clue what else the movie was about besides dancing. Uh Um, After I ended up actually watching it, I... Didn't know how I felt about it I still don't really know How I feel about it Mm -hmm. But I think that Because What my generation Knows of the movie Is just that It's about dancing
1: Bee Gees Polyester white suit Right It's about disco It's Mm -hmm. about disco Which is Not a popular Form of music Also well it is to me (laughs) I love disco
0: but that we can table that conversation but I thought it would be interesting to read um, some of these reviews on Letterboxd of people who are around my age who were reviewing the movie because I felt like they really captured exactly the way I felt about the movie when I saw it so Mm -hmm. here's one that says this movie would be good if there was no dialogue or storyline we desperately need to start teaching men to dance again (laughs) <laughs> the amount of violent racism, homophobia, yeah. Yeah. and misogyny they were able to cram into a dancing movie about disco is truly amazing.
1: Yeah. One second on that, because, you know, um, uh, it, I didn't I didn't see that in 1977, because it was so much my world. Mm-hmm. Men hated women. We were treated like shit. Animal house. You, know, you dump a woman in a trash bin. and So I, I didn't see... Uh, now, I was like, oh my God. But I didn't see that then. Go ahead. Yeah.
0: The Bee Gees were right when they said you should be dancing because no, on no account should any of these characters be allowed to talk. And then this one was the one that encapsulated exactly how I felt about the movie which was this was literally traumatizing I just wanted to see good disco dancing. Oh my
1: god. So
0: I think it's really interesting that you say that John Travolta is the reason why I think this movie was so successful because I agree because I think if you take out John Travolta, it's just a movie about like the worst people who've ever lived <gasps> treating other people horribly. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that he brings empathy to a character who ends up being a rapist, right? And that's not, <laughs> but that's not even like me like looking back on the movie saying he's a rapist. Like he was a rapist in 1977 because at the end of the movie he attempts to rape. Stephanie his dance partner and then he goes to her house afterwards and she's like wow never thought I'd let a actual rapist into my house So they
1: they They acknowledged it, it even then Yeah 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 So
0: that's why I'm like why do I sympathize with this character even though he tried to rape someone and then the movie like told us oh no it's not just that you're older you know like from a different time it's uh-huh. even in 1977
1: this was rape It was rape but, Um but let me say that I found him to be the most honest character in the whole movie, he just said his stuff, as horrible as it was, you know, as sweet as it was, you know. Let me, yeah. So I thought, um, I thought but he it, was the most honest, and I think he's super vulnerable, and I think that's why you like him. And I, and wait, okay. When you see him on the dance floor, when he opens the door to that Odyssey 2001 or whatever it was, uh, and Beethoven the fifth is playing. And he's right. Ro- it was fucking sexy. Don't roll your eyes at me, man. No, you can't see that she's eyes. rolling her eyes at me. <laughs> do not do that, or I'll just cut it. You and so you love him because, oh my God, you cannot take your right. eyes off him. True or false? True. See, there you go.
0: I thought it was interesting. So in the opening scene, he's walking and you're supposed to think like, wow, he's the coolest guy who's ever lived. He's like so boogie woogie he when he's walking down the street. Yeah. But he also like harasses that woman on yes, the street. Yes. And I'm like, she's just trying to go to work. Exactly. Let her just walk to work without being messed with by you. Yeah. So I thought that was interesting. An interesting insight into his character immediately off the bat was that he has absolutely no
1: respect for women at all. Exactly. So I'll jump on that because the whole thing was about um, trying to understand how to treat women as not like what whores and cunts and whatever horrible things and to try to see them as people you know not just sex but people so that to me was woven in from that very moment to the end where can we be friends and he's like yeah okay I'll try maybe you know so you say uh, and I believe that he'll try okay
0: (laughs) yeah all right no
1: I believe he's gonna
0: try I don't Mm -hmm. know if he's gonna be successful because he let another girl get gang raped behind him and then after it was after it happened she was weeping he was like it's your own fault yeah so, I don't
1: know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, it, men don't ever take responsibility, you know? Yeah. And it, that was such a, oh, God, that scene, it's, it's so unsettling and so disturbing. Not only, because the thing also, just go back to Wynette's character. She's always hovering, you know, around Tony. Do you know she always wants him to love her? She holds out those condoms, and it's so sad. And so, then she takes all that speed or whatever at the club. It was um,
0: during More Than a Woman, ironically. Oh. The song More Than was a Woman. Was yeah, he dancing? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they, he was dancing with Stephanie, and Stephanie. they were just dancing to More Than a Woman, and then she took all these drugs. Yes. And to make him jealous, she yes. was like flirting with his friend, mm-hmm. which she does a few times throughout yeah. the movie. She flirts with and his friends. And she jealous. and you know, just
1: kind of puts that out there like, I mm-hmm. could date them. And she just in over her head. You know, she's trying to... She just wants Tony. She just likes him. She can't understand why he is so mean to her because she just likes him, you know? Um, And then that scene of the rape and that hand on her face with the glove on it and the fingers. I remember being horrified of that image as a kid and still, it still was horrifying. And then you see Tony and he's like, you know, it's all your own fault because you did that and you put yourself in the position. But I think that um, the one thing about Tony... Besides the fact that he can't see a woman as a woman. I think that he is uh, kind of caught in a sexist vice in the sense that he wants to dance with Annette. She's a really good dancer. By the way, I thought Karen Gorney was the worst dancer. Stephanie? Yes. The worst dancer? The worst dancer. Okay. And the most boring.
0: I watched this movie with my brother and when they went to that scene where she's stretching and he's dancing with Annette and she can like barely lift her leg. It was, and it was all My like brother that.
1: was like, she's not flexible at all. Uh, and then she does like a little shimmy, like a little shake at the shoulders, you know, and you're just like... Is that a tiny warm-up? She's warming up slowly and she'll shimmy a little more later. No, she
0: never gets better. I'm team Annette. I think she is the most beautiful, wonderful, incredible person who just deserves the world. And I feel so... I feel betrayed that the filmmakers let Annette get gang-raped and then watch someone murder himself.
1: Oh, my. You this is a lot of stuff to unpack. I know, say. I know. And
0: I feel bad that we're starting thirteen minutes in, like with gang rape and
1: <laughs> suicide. Well, we, we just went for it. <laughs> uh, um so hold on. So I agree with Annette because Annette is um from where he comes from, you know? But she doesn't represent to Tony what he wants, which is Stephanie, who is Annette, just with better clothes on. Yeah. You know? And and she's just a typist. It's um
0: Place. But she just, like, lies and pretends that she's Bullshit. better than them. Yeah. She does.
1: And, but then, because this is kind of sweet, because they both are kind of, like, not being too honest with each other. She she She's, like, oh, you know, she says uh, vivacious, like, oh, very vivacious. She can't say that they're talking about Lawrence Olivier yeah the guy in the Polaroid commercial not like the best actor who's ever lived <laughs> well yes. she was also
0: saying that she was so much older and more cultured than him um she says oh I'm so much older than you like I have so much more experience you're too young for me and she is six months older than him she doesn't
1: she's just practicing who she wants to be on him
0: and that's who she sa- that's what she says to him yeah. at the end yeah, 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 is yeah. that I was just pretending yeah to figure out who I want to be
1: and he is too. So they're yeah. both trying to do the same thing. Um, the other thing just about her pretentiousness is that she was talking about the movie Romeo and Juliet. He's like, yeah, 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 I read the book. Shakespeare, right? She goes, no, Zeffirelli, because he, you know, he directed the movie. It, just, It's just, I don't know. Um, but she was very direct with Tony, and she really put him down. I mean, she really said, you're going nowhere. You live with your parents. You go out, you hang with your buddies. You go out on a Saturday mm-hmm. night. Do you know, um, and you're going nowhere and you're n- going no place, and you're a cliche, and she's right in his mind. So he's super interested in that, you know, yeah, but back to who they they are. So Tony, and see what you think about this. So Tony, wants to dance with Annette, but then he'd rather dance with Stephanie because of who she represents. Because um, Annette is a good dancer. Great dancer. And she's got those eyes, and she's so sweet, oh, she's so vulnerable. She's so perfect. I love her. And, and, but if he sleeps with her, then he can't respect her. Okay? So he can't mm-hmm. dance with her. So it's like, a, it's like a weird... The sexism is also strangulating Tony. Do you yeah. know what I mean? I thought
0: the 2001 Odyssey Club was... Amazing. I want to go there. I want okay. to dance there. So, um, oh, Would you they, dance there?
1: Yeah. This is a continuation of when I first saw it and what I felt I was getting. Um, the first dance with Annette is explosive and sexy. And I'm just like, again, about that club. I want to be there, but I'd be too afraid to dance. Come on. I, I, I'm just so surprised that you'd be like, Boogie on down, <laughs> Minna. I would be like in the corner wishing and hoping um anyway but i also felt like well the whole thing about the 10 minute limit fucking in the car again i was like oh i felt like i was getting a real insight into the way men think and behave like a whole new world was opening up to me um
0: okay oh but no just also about that about the car like the other guys can't tell the one guy that he needs to stop they have to go to Tony right. and get Tony to tell him to stop. That's so interesting. it just also gave you insight into how, like, he has nothing in his everyday life, but when he's in the club, he's the top dog. Everything. Like, everything has to go through him. Right. He's in charge.
1: And it, remember the moment where, like, he lights a cigarette and it's girlfriend, or some woman's next to him and, like, ready, will you light like mine? And he doesn't. He's so rude. And then that scene with getting a raise, it, it's so beautifully written, you know, you get two fifty, and he's like so grateful. And then the guy doesn't know how to interpret it and it goes up to $4 and he goes home and tells his dad. And his dad's like, $4 doesn't buy $3. And he gets all tramped down. What a raise. You kidding me? Well, come on, look, see how much it is. You gave me a raise, thank you. I can't believe this. Wait, whoa, 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 you better look first. I don't got gotta look, it don't make no difference. You gave me a raise, that's the important well, thing. It's only two fifty. So what? Uh, it's two dollars and fifty cents. It ain't much. The important thing is to raise. I think that's really great. I'll tell you what, I'm gonna give you three fifty, right? Next do week I give you three fifty, I'll give you a dollar more. Well, wait. Shut up, will you? Four. I'll make it an even four. Right? Seen anybody so shit ass happy over a crummy two fifty raise? Wait a minute, two. You just said four dollars, didn't you?
0: I just thought I thought that scene was so beautiful, and I thought it gave really good insight to who Tony was as a character, and just you know, he really only cared about making a better life for himself. Yeah. But I felt like at the end of the movie, Mm -hmm. that Tony didn't exist anymore. Like the Tony at the end of the movie, Mm -hmm. who, spoiler alert, loses the dance competition, would have never been grateful. Wins the dance
1: competition.
0: Oh, sorry. You're right. You're right. He he wins the dance competition, but really, he only won because of racism. So Mm -hmm. he actually lost.
1: And what about that look on his face when he's realizing it? It's sensational.
0: So in his mind, he lost. So I felt like that Tony who lost that dance competition would have never been grateful for $2 raise. I just feel like he was such a sympathetic, vulnerable character in the beginning, and by the end of the movie, he had just hardened so much and become a character that I didn't even recognize or, like, or really respect anymore. Like, he was just such a different person. He got worse as the movie went on. Well, tell
1: me more about that, because the way I see it is that like he wasn't racist He was, uh, he, he, um, judged everybody on their ability to dance. So when he lost, he did the right thing in his opinion. And I thought that was the turning moment of his character. And he did what he felt was right. You know, and at the, after that, he talks about everybody has to dump on everyone else. So I felt like he was, at least we were hearing what his process was and their ways of killing yourself without really killing yourself. Um, so tell me more about how you he wasn't he didn't really exist anymore.
0: Okay, so he, he wins the dance competition only because the people who run the club are racist against the Hispanic people right. who live in their neighborhood. So those Hispanic people who danced were a bajillion times better.
1: Oh, and they were so joyful. Oh, it was it, awesome. It was. it was so good. <laughs> it was so good. Also,
0: the more than a woman dance, I know it's not supposed to be good because it's supposed to be very clear that like he was not the winner, even though he won. That was some of the worst dancing I have ever seen. Oh no! Hold Tony on. and Stephanie's dance. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Boring, yeah, yeah, slow. Yeah, yeah. People were clapping, and I was like, "Why?" They had to cut away. It was <laughs> so
1: bad. Show the so bad.
0: It was so bad, and I know that it was. It was very much on purpose. Like you need to see that they didn't actually win this dance competition. Okay. That the yeah, other yeah, yeah. people won it, and it's only because the Italian people are racist against the Mm -hmm. black people and the Hispanic people that they did not win Mm -hmm. and that Tony won. Mm -hmm. So that's where I mean, like he only won because of racism. In reality, he lost. Right, okay, Um, okay. Personally, I just feel like even if, okay, he lost. He made the right decision. He said, I didn't really win this. You guys were better. Here's the trophy. Enjoy it. Have a nice life. And the way that he copes with that is through trying to rape his friend yeah, who weird. he supposedly loves because he needs to have control because he has lost all control it was like the only thing that he could control oh. in his life was that he was a good day that he was the best dancer that was his control on the dance floor he controls everything his friends have to go to him if they want someone to get out of their car you know he can choose whose cigarette he lights and who he dances with yeah. but then when someone is better at him than the one thing that he's the best at he was like i have nothing and this is how i'm going to assert my dominance now in this other way is that I'm going to prove that I can rape this girl if I want to. Mm-hmm. And it's not even that he doesn't. He totally would have if she hadn't gotten away. Mm-hmm. It's not like he was stopped. Did he stop? I'm sure No, no I, I, I don't remember, remember him stopping. Up. I remember her being like, Tony, stop, and then like running away from the car at the right, end. Running away,
1: yeah. Do you know, I'm so uh, distant from... Like you were explaining why he rapes her. I don't even have... An explanation it's just so bizarre to me like what's going on there how did that how did he get there I thought it was horrible and horrifying and and I don't even have a reason to explain that character doing that
0: I think it's just because he has so little respect for women we mm-hmm. see that from the very first minute to the end mm-hmm. and when he loses all control he's like well then I'll just control this because I know I can because women aren't people they're just vaginas mm-hmm. and that's all they are mm-hmm Folks, do you love movies? Well, if the answer to that question is yes, then Super Yockey is a site for you. The team at Super Yockey loves movies, so much so that they've dedicated every waking moment of their life to bringing you quality merchandise to showcase your love for them. In February, Super Yockey's collection is celebrating the Fast and Furious franchise and Florence Pugh's cooking videos. And then in March, they'll be highlighting perennial favorite Mads Mickelson, and more. From bumper stickers to t-shirts to baseball caps, Super Yaki is dedicated to providing eco-friendly, fun movie merchandise. Visit superyaki.com to shop now and learn more. And use the offer code SUPERMOVIES to save 10% on your next purchase.
1: Do you think at the end that he did change? Because I'm accepting that change. What changed, though, is
0: my qu- <laughs> like. He's more as, like beginning Tony, who's like, "Oh, thank you for two dollars." Like, wouldn't have raped a lady. I don't know. I just feel like that character wouldn't have done that. It's like as the movie went on, he just got worn down more and more and more until he just snapped. And I don't know. Yeah,
1: they should. I feel like he's got to go scene, through yeah. a
0: lot of therapy. Oh, for sure. I felt like the character in the beginning of the movie wouldn't have acted that way because I feel like he had hope, and then by the end of the movie, he had. No hope at all. Like, even um, even the girl, Stephanie, that he's like, wow, I don't even think that he really likes her so much as that he wants to be her. Like, how do I get this job where I meet famous people That's very get true. to live on my own and I can be in... Even though she's lying, he... He accepts what she tells him, and he wants that for himself. Mm -hmm. And then it turns out that she's sleeping with her boss, Mm -hmm. and that's how she got the job. And she didn't go to college either. And it's kind of like, okay, well, now that's gone, too. Is she even a good dancer? And then we see she's (laughs) not. Like, he just fell for all of the lies.
1: True, but were you surprised when you learned about why she is like she is? Because she's got a boss that corrects her, and she's trying to fit into a, a new world or a better world in her mind. I was surprised to see that the boyfriend and like he's married and like what and yeah.
0: I thought that was really heartbreaking. Me I felt like that was also taking advantage of of women because she has nothing and this she boss kept saying, is you like don't
1: know how hard it is. Yeah. It's so and I'm like. Yeah, we do. We women do. We do. And then he took her to the, the bridge. Was that the Vera yeah. Or was Yeah. Mm-hmm. Which was a beautiful moment where I he's was. basically saying, I know everything about that building that the men built. That keeps me apart from my dream. Mm-hmm. But I thought at the end, he's like, I'm going to try to be your friend. And uh, he's in Manhattan and he's going to try. He's not going back there. He says he's never going back. He's left his friends. One of his best friends died Oh, we have to talk about Bobby, too. Yes,
0: we have to talk about Bobby. Should
1: we do it now? (laughs) Sure, let's do it now. Okay, so Bobby. So with his little furry head, those curls. and The
0: craziest stiletto heels I've ever seen in my life.
1: Do you mean those white shoes? The
0: white shoes with the wooden stiletto heels. When he
1: comes around the corner on the street and you see those white shoes, it broke my heart. It tells you everything about him. Those big white shoes. (laughs) And I remember that then and... And now Yeah, his she's...
0: character was devastating. It yeah. was so
1: devastating. Because it's all like, Tony, 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 look at, me, look at me, look at me, look at me, look at me, Tony. And then all he said was, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I don't know
0: if he kills himself or if it's just an accident. Yeah, I don't know. But either. the the only thing that he says before it happens was, why didn't you call Tony. me, Tony? You told me you were going to call me. It was horrible. And he got his girlfriend pregnant. pregnant. He's trying
1: to talk to the father and then the father's like... He talks to everybody he's... about it. yeah. But nobody really listens or sees Nobody him. cares. Yeah. That's why I think at the end of this movie, Tony sees Stephanie and Stephanie sees Tony. So kind of like Bobby's the one that wasn't seen. A lot of the friends weren't seen, but I feel like they saw each other. Um, he, he's a sad, he's a sad little guy. What did you
0: think about, we were talking about him talking to the father. Um, what did you think about the religious commentary that was going on and then also about the father storyline because I personally felt like in the movie there were so many things that went without resolution. The only storyline that actually got wrapped up was Bobby and it was only because he died. (laughs) So other than that, no other storyline got any sort of resolution. So I was wondering how you felt about the religious aspects of the movie and about the father brother just coming in. And like hanging out for two days, and then just leaving, and oh, being like, "All right, well, I well, guess that's I,
1: over." Exactly. What? What? Because I, I think it's part of the Italianness of that family. And but it was interesting because, like, you know, that every, like every, every shot of the like the dining room table has, you know, the picture of the son and how he's so mm-hmm. great, and the other kids are losers. Yeah. Um. He the, he comes home, the brother, and Tony's super happy to see him. He's left the priesthood. And it isn't so much that the family goes like, oh, well, what are you thinking if you lost faith in God and whatever? They're all like, well, we have no honor anymore. We've lost all the honor. And I had never, I didn't, I didn't, uh, realize that the first time I saw it, but this time when I saw it, and then he comes to the club and he leaves. It's not his scene. Okay. And Tony just wants his brother to see who he is. Um, and then he's gone. He's like going to some home somewhere, a halfway house yeah. or a whatever, and bye bye And that's just it. He yeah, just is gone. Uh, yeah, and thought... we never
0: visit his parents or the brother ever again. Yeah, done. It's just over.
1: Yeah. Well, I think that Tony was able to cut away from his family at that point, saying, now you got three lousy loser kids. Or maybe because he's not a priest anymore, I'm not so bad. Mm-hmm. So I think that allowed Tony to get some separation. Did you have a favorite song? All of them. (laughs) All of them. I didn't really realize that. that, Because the Bee Gees was, you know, that soundtrack. I guess it was much bigger than the movie. Um, Really is tied into the heartbeat of what this movie is. The music is so wonderful. That's
0: all I knew about the movie before I saw it. Mm -hmm. Um, I did think it was interesting. I read that um, Night Fever, You Should Be Dancing, and More Than a Woman were added after the Scenes were shot. So they because the Bee Gees weren't involved in the production of the movie, they signed on after. So they shot all the dance scenes to Stevie Wonder tunes. And then they went in after the Bee Gees wrote the music and added in the Bee Gees music, which I think is so crazy that it's it's choreographed so well to a song that wasn't written the time that it was shot. I
1: don't know anything about music, but I know it's like, oh, Two, f- 2 4 timing. I mean, yeah. is that a true thing? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes. And so did they go like, well, the Bee Gees play with this kind of 2 4 beat? I don't know what I'm talking about. Um, and so does Stevie Wonder. So we'll put that on. I don't know how the
0: decision was made, but I do know that they, the Bee Gees signed on after they saw, shot Wild. all the dance scenes. And Wild. so um, that music was added in after. I also know that the main Staying Alive song was written because the movie was already produced and made and the Bee Gees were able to be like oh this is what the story is about so let's write right. the song that matches the movie yeah. um but everything else was art like all the dancing was already shot and I thought that the way that the dancing was shot was so creative and so beautiful and those moments in the movie I was absolutely 100% well, They were onboard. using
1: SETICAM also that's like the first time Steadicam had been used you know so it was it had a whole different feel to it.
0: I loved that scene um, at the dance competition when the couple jumps over the camera. You see it from underneath and the couple jumps over the camera. I thought that was incredible. I thought all of the overhead shots with smoke like filling in at the bottom was so... I thought all of the dancing was so expertly shot and I do see on a cinematography level how this movie probably blew people's minds. Mm -hmm. I also thought it was interesting um, on a sillier note how many like nose and crotch shots there were of John Travolta, like, at an angle, so it was, like, up the nose and also his crotch, like, front and center. Yeah. I thought those were interesting angles.
1: What about when he's getting dressed and he's zipping his pants up and he's doing that little gyration? Oh, my God. Yeah, so it was all about the sexiness of him. Yeah. We just didn't have that then. Back in the old days, (laughs) we didn't have that. Um, So, you I thought also that they, um... She breaks down... When he sees the boyfriend, you know, and so they get a little closer, and then Mm -hmm. John is talking about the bridge, and he gets all kind of watery-eyed. So I I saw that relationship getting... They were learning about each other.
0: I know we were talking about how we don't like Stephanie um, as a dancer and as a character and everything. Um, I know we had said that the reason why we like Tony is because... It's John Travolta. Um, I was reading the list of other actresses who were considered for the role of Stephanie. The most interesting one to me, which I'll ask you about, is Carrie Fisher was considered for the role. So it was like being shot like right around the same time as Star Wars. So I was wondering how you, if you thought that your idea of Stephanie and your Likeness of her would be different if she was played by Carrie Fisher.
1: Well, that's twofold. As an ex-studio executive, I'd be like, we can't cast her because she's too identified with that other role, and, mm-hmm. and people will be pulled out of the movie because of that. You know, so I would say no, she can't do it. And I could never see Carrie Fisher play that role. Look, I mean, I I knew her, and I never. I always thought of her more as a writer, and she also acted. Mm-hmm. Um, so I guess I'm not the very good judge of. Her as an actor. I guess that's a more fair thing to say. Who are some of the other actors?
0: Okay. Jessica Lang.
1: Oh. Carrie
0: Fisher. Uh-huh. Amy Irving.
1: Yeah.
0: And Kathleen
1: Quinlan. Mm-hmm. Kathleen Quinlan. That's so weird. Those people who we all know, and then what's her name? What's, what's that actress's naming? And I just forgot. Karen Karen Gorney. Yeah. So oh, she gosh, obviously she? got
0: the role. Um, she was an actress who after Saturday Night Fever.
1: Never Pretty sure retired again. from
0: acting and became a dance instructor.
1: Oh, get out of here. You're making a job. At a
0: performing arts academy in Brooklyn. Oh, yeah. get out of here. No, she did. Because she was never going to be hired
1: because again because she was, she was so bad. Weird. And I'm sorry I'm saying that. But I have to say it.
0: Well, the only thing that I thought was interesting about um, Carrie Fisher was that it was so unlike anything that I'd ever seen her do before. Stephanie, that role. Um, mm-hmm. That's why I thought she would have been an interesting cast. My only issue with her, really, is that she looks too much like...
1: John Travolta. <laughs>
0: No, not like John Travolta. She looks too much like uh, Annette. Uh
1: Well, I wonder who they cast first. They'd have to cast Stephanie first, right? That would be my instinct. Mm -hmm. Look.
0: Okay, so wait. Okay, all those people
1: would be better. Okay, (laughs) (laughs) all
0: of them. (laughs) Um, Okay, so I have a question. You said that um, when you were cast, if you were casting this movie, you couldn't cast Carrie Fisher because she was too strongly identified with Star Wars, and so it wouldn't work. So, what do you think? Because I had the opposite reaction when I was watching the movie. You see the name John Travolta before you see Saturday Night Fever. And obviously, he was a very famous guy at the time. TV only. Yeah, but people knew who he was. I mean, that's why I'm sure we saw John Travolta before we saw Saturday Night Fever. Mm -hmm. I mean, it was like, this is a John Travolta movie. Come see John Travolta in this role. I know he was famous from TV and not from movies, but people associated him so heavily with his character on TV? Do you think that... I mean, I'd say that that probably helped them, don't you think?
1: That he was associated with that character?
0: No, not that he was associated with any particular character, but that he was so famous.
1: Well, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, that helped him a lot, and I think there was a great anticipation because he was greatly loved for that bumbling, sweet character. Vinnie Barbarito, I think his name. Um, and so people were very excited to see what he, was, what he was doing. As far as his name above the title, that's unusual for... a uh, non-movie star kind of a deal it was a lower budget movie at the time I yeah believe. it
0: was 3.5 million
1: right and so john was making some sweet dough you know and then the idea of you know getting a very tiny amount for his first movie i'm sure was fine but i'm sure they sweetened the deal by saying mm-hmm. you know we'll do you above the above the title yeah so yeah
0: yeah i mean um john travolta being so famous i thought was funny because it made it so the production team was making fake call sheets um, and shooting super early in the morning so that John Travolta's fans wouldn't find where they were shooting um, and all pile yeah. up outside. Uh, oh so I God. thought that was really funny for a couple of reasons. One, because that's very silly that they were making fake call sheets, but also because that's pretty John great. Travolta was kind of Tony in, in the club in real life, which kind of just added to the ambiance of yeah. the movie. So I thought that was pretty interesting, but...
1: Another thought is that in this movie, you know, we all remember Bee Gees, white as I've said it a thousand times. I'll say it again. Bee Gees, white polyester suit, John Travolta dancing. But every character in this movie—I mean, it's a dark movie—and every character is in such pain. You know, it's so interesting that we only remember the flash and the glitz, mm-hmm. but it was—it's—it's it's very deep. Especially that—that's
0: all I knew about the movie, and then was shocked to find out that it had two rapes and a suicide, accidental suicide in the movie, and so much racism so much and that's not what we remember about that movie there was this kind of racist undercurrent going on with like the movie opens and you hear like so many racial slurs within the first two minutes of the movie and
1: that was also very seductive to me as a young adult just it just felt so dangerous and free and it was a kind of special world i like those special worlds Mm -hmm. like a napoleon dynamite or whatever um yeah
0: I thought there was also such a great, I mean, we were talking about the flashiness, such a great attention to detail, like people who were dancing, um, with pipes in their mouth and cigars and they were, um, the cigars were in the club. People were dancing with cigars in their mouths. Um, and then in the dance studio, the creepy dance instructor was teaching a class and there was a guy wearing like a polyester suit smoking a pipe
1: <laughs> while so weird, he was dancing and everybody's smoking everywhere. Yeah
0: and also when Tony's friends bully him for being a disgusting eater and they're like you're so disgusting you look like an animal you're going out with this girl like you look horrible don't talk with your mouth full and they were just like bullying about how disgusting he was at eating and I just thought that was such a sweet detail like even though these are really gross terrible people like there was a moment of kind of like oh they are just kids like they're only 19 years old
1: tell me why they're gross terrible people because they're gang
0: raping people in the back of their car
1: Yes. Yes, they are.
0: Okay, well, let me ask this. (laughs) They could have been redeemable if that didn't happen. and Then maybe
1: he wouldn't have left if they were all redeemed. Yeah, that's true. Because he's like, I'm leaving all those people. They're horrible. I
0: think it's interesting that I feel that these people are not redeemed only because of the way that the movie ends. Mm -hmm. Because they're actually two different versions of this movie. When the movie came out... Um, it was rated R, obviously, that's the movie that we watch. But there was another version of the movie that was released that was rated PG that cut all of that out. All of the racist slurs, all of the rape, all of the death, they cut everything that didn't meet standards. Wow. It was cut out of the movie. And that movie was released in theaters and then also it aired on HBO um, in 1980. And the PG version would be played during the day and the r rated version would be played during the night. Wild. Yes, yeah, so there were two different movies and the PG version would be shown as a double feature with Grease. So it'd be like, come see the clean Saturday Night Fever and then see Grease after if you want to see John Travolta. Boogie. Well, it must have
1: taken 25 minutes out of the movie cutting all They that
0: actually, stuff. they replaced the scenes with scenes that
1: had been cut out of the
0: original movie, oh, I'm so
1: going to, well, I'm going to check. I'm going to track that down. And yeah, see
0: there was a, a Tony and Annette dancing to Disco Duck scene. There was a scene where the dad gets his job back, and that had all been cut out of the R-rated version, but they put it back in for the PG version. The, the producer, gets,
1: the dad gets the job back.
0: Yes, in the PG version of the movie, he gets his job back. So Robert Stigwood mm-hmm. said in an A&E documentary that was called "The Inside Story of Saturday Night Fever." Mm-hmm. He said quote, it ruined the film. It doesn't have the power or the impact of the original R-rated edition. Mm -hmm. And so I wanted to talk to you about that because I kind of agree and I kind of don't agree, right? I agree that something needed to happen so that Tony would see that he deserves better and he wants to be better. But I don't know if that needed to be a gang rape. So I just think that like, okay, if she hadn't been raped would it have still been an impactful movie? And I'm not sure. So I kind of just wanted to talk to you about that, how you how you felt about taking out the things that made it horrible. Does that take the power and the impact away from
1: it? Well, tell me what you mean by horrible.
0: Well, just all of the, the race and the yeah. racism and the death out of it.
1: Um, I think that they could have removed the... Uh, well, first of all, let me back up. Um, R-rated versus PG's... 17 is that what it's called pg whatever just pg yeah okay um you know you make a movie and you try to be as honest with the movie as possible you know and it declares what it is and you go for it um and i think that's what they did with the r-rated movie and they went as as deep as they could to show what this world was like and it was it was savage you Mm -hmm. know um so to cut, I mean that's just a, a, a studio decision. Like, hey, we can make some more money here. Let's cut the shit out of this, and we'll see what we got. Um, and it probably worked that way too. Mm-hmm. But the the blood and the heart of that movie is in the uh, the in that world, you know. That and also, isn't that what happened then? Or isn't that true? Even though I don't want to see it, is that it's not life? Yeah, it's so. Upsetting. I think they could have removed the Stephanie rape, uh, attempted rape. I don't think they needed that. Because it goes from like him being as cruel to her as possible to seeing her to her place saying, Will you help me? Do you know? So I, I kind of think they could have taken that out. The um, Annette rape, oh, I would never want to see it. But, but I don't know what to see. I didn't make that movie. I don't. I'm being kind of a baby about what I'm saying here.
0: No, I get it. It's complicated, right? Because like you don't want to take away from the grittiness and the realness of the movie. But also, you're like, does any movie need to have a rape scene in it? Is that necessary?
1: Yeah, 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 yeah.
0: But at the same time, like I said, I don't want to take any of the grittiness or the truth that the people who wrote the movie felt. Mm -hmm. I don't want to take that away from them. So I feel very conflicted about whether or not taking you know, sanitizing it, quote Mm -hmm. unquote, if that takes away the power and the impact of the movie. I feel in some ways taking out, as you suggested, the Stephanie rape adds more power to it because you see very clearly that Tony is better than them. I think it's more interesting that he, you know, he wants to be better than than his friends, but at the end of the day, he's not. Mm -hmm. I think that's definitely more interesting, but I think that maybe it's more distinctly powerful if he's like, I'm better than you very clearly, and I'm going to go look for something better for myself.
1: Well, let me ask this then. Um, During the Annette rape, you saw, well, two things. Would you have cut it differently to make it less um, visible? (laughs) Is that the way of saying it to make it less? Or um, would you have shown Tony's disdain for it more? Because... If you look at the scene, the rape scene is horrible. The scene, I think, is the idea that this is what his friends are like and how does he feel about what's going on in the back. Did you know, that this is supposed to be like a, a character turning point for him. Mm-hmm. I can't see that because I'm so horrified about what's right. going on in the back.
0: But also, I feel like that's the goal, but that's also not what we see. Mm-hmm. He does not care. He's focused on his own thing. And then after it happens and everybody leaves them, he says to her, are you happy now? Is that, did you get what you wanted? Is that what you thought was going to happen? Like, this is on you. And I know I'm a bystander and I could have done something, but I didn't because you needed to learn this lesson.
1: Uh Uh-huh. Proud of yourself now? Is that what you wanted? Good. Now you're a cunt. Well, in the beginning, she said, like, it was, like, consensual in a way. Right. And then she's like, no, no, I don't want to do this. I don't want to do this. And then she says at the end, I didn't really want to do that. You know? Ugh.
0: It has a role, right? It has definitely a role in the movie. Mm-hmm. There are things that we learn about Tony through this horrible thing happening to Annette, mm-hmm. but I don't know if removing that takes all of the power away from the movie. Mm-hmm. I think it's interesting that the people who made the movie felt so strongly about it that they felt it needed to be mm-hmm. in.
1: Well, and look, it's a 1977, it's all men, and I've said. It wasn't like feminism was even... I guess it was talked about, but that was... You know, we were just... I just watched that, and I was like, yeah, we everyone hates women. That's the way it is. Yeah. We are treated like shit. We just, uh, you know...
0: And when they tell us it's our fault, we're just like, yeah. yeah. you asked
1: for it. Why'd you make me do that? You know, it's crazy. Ugh.
0: Yeah, poor Annette. Oh, man. I hope she has such a happy life. Because then she watches this guy die. The worst police in the world show up at the crime scene and they're like so what happened right. this guy killed himself they say like and then the cops are like all right we'll come back tomorrow right, it's too late now <laughs> the worst cops ever and then tony just leaves her Annette, with the two people who just raped her and i'm like all right tony so like i guess That's we very just good point. dump her with the her rapists and move on to our own problems. Like, and that's why I've had such a hard time redeeming him at the end because I'm like, he's done a series of terrible things. Whereas before it was like, all right, he did some... Some crummy stuff, but whatever. Mm. At the end of the day, he's a good guy. And then at the end, he's, like, trying to rape this girl. This other girl's getting raped. And he's blaming her for it. And then he's abandoning her and just focusing on his own problems. And then, like, he doesn't even deal with his own problems himself. He shows up at Stephanie's house and is like,
1: Please fix me! Exactly!
0: (laughs) So, like, I don't
1: know if I want to redeem you. Because the the whole... I mean, one of the themes is, you know, just figuring out your future, the desire for young people to figure out, you know, how to escape from the life of boring family and boring work and whatever, finding their Manhattan. Um, and he, he gets there, mm-hmm. you know? And that's, I, I think, more than a, like, is it a love story or a friendship story? I mean, the the treatment of women really stands out because it's atrocious. Uh, but when you look at, you know, these universal themes, they really still resonate, you know, you want to make something of yourself, but you're not really sure how. You know, he goes about it um, bumbling and stumbling and fumbling, but he finds his way. So do you think this movie is a classic? I do. For that, those very reasons, because of the themes, you know, becoming a man, uh, the relationship with men and women, figuring out your future, and dancing and polyester. <laughs>
0: Where I'm struggling with it is the movie is a classic for something that it's not about, right? It's a classic because it's this epic disco dance movie, but that's not really what the movie is actually about. No. Like I was reading those reviews earlier because I was trying to make the point that myself and everybody else who's my age were going into this movie like, oh yeah, I'm going to see some really cool dancing in some platform shoes. And then we ended up watching Two Rapes. And that's not what we were expecting at all. But you got your platform
1: shoes and your disco
0: dancing. We did get the disco dancing, but that's not really what the movie was about. So I guess where I'm struggling with, is it a classic? Is, you know, does it get to be a classic because people remember it for something that it's not actually about?
1: I think that to me a classic is um, if it's got themes that are relevant today and you watch it and it still works. Mm. You know, if you watch a movie and it still works, then... Those characters are resonating, the themes are resonating, what you watched touched your heart. So when you watched the movie, were you were you into it?
0: I honestly felt like I had a whiplash from the movie. I, I stopped watching the movie and I couldn't decide whether I liked it or if I didn't like it. I had it no clue what had just happened to me. Oh, what do you when mean? I, like when it, with the movie i was like what just happened to me like all of these things and it wasn't that i didn't like it or even that i did like it it was just so much that it took so much time for me to figure out what i had even just watched mm-hmm. i i felt like it was very interesting and i i agree with you that it was just encapsulated a a world someone's world and we just saw him exist in that world Mm -hmm. and those things I found to be very beautiful Mm -hmm. but it was so traumatic and Mm -hmm. so unlike what I was expecting going into it that I I had whiplash from it I was went in thinking I was going to watch John Travolta cut loose in a disco club every night but instead (laughs) I watched like horrors unfold before my eyes Mm -hmm. and be traumatized so I I think it's a very interesting movie that tells us a lot about what the world of Brooklyn was like in Mm -hmm. 1977. And boys. And boys and disco, what that scene was like. And for those reasons, I think it's really amazing. And I think that, you know, a movie that encapsulates that specific world and influences culture so significantly. I think that that I'm does make sure. it a classic.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, yeah.
0: even just as far as the Bee Gees music goes, yes. I think all of those things make it a classic. Mm-hmm. But I don't know if, in terms of themes, that it has the same impact today that it did then. Just because there's so much shock and awe going on, that I'm like, maybe it would have been more impactful. Sorry to the producer. It may have been more impactful if they had taken all of that out because I wouldn't have been distracted by it. And I would have just actually watched the movie about a man who was trying to find himself through everyone putting him down. And I wouldn't have been so distracted by the racism and the misogyny Mm -hmm. and the sexism and the horrors that were unfolding.
1: Are you surprised that, that that in the seventies, that kind of stuff was being made.
0: No, not at all. I'm yeah. not surprised by it. Yeah, I yeah, just yeah. was surprised because it wasn't what I was expecting. Mm-hmm. I didn't go into it thinking, all right, well, I'm going to watch a movie and there's going to be a little disco, a little paint, you know, store, a little rape, a little,
1: <laughs> a little, paint, uh, a little <laughs> paint, a little paint buckets,
0: <laughs> <laughs> a little rape, a little death. Like I didn't go into it expecting any, a, a little religion. Like I didn't go in expecting any of those things. I only expected. One of my favorite songs is A Fifth of Beethoven. I'm gonna see John Travolta dance to it, and oh, it's gonna be awesome. And, you and it. it was awesome. He walks in and they're playing A Fifth of Beethoven, and Forget I was like, it. all right, that's awesome.
1: Forget it. And he's so beautiful to watch as he dances. He's so, you know, he looked just so classically trained. His movements are so sharp and so clean. I, I couldn't take my eyes off him.
0: Yeah, I thought John Travolta was really good, and I, I thought that it definitely gave me a deeper appreciation for mm-hmm. John Travolta as an actor. I think as he's gotten older, he's kind of made some missteps. Terrible. (laughs) But I think being able to see him in this role, um, he was
1: so good. Because he's so vulnerable in his macho ways. and He's
0: so romantic, too. I think that that's something that I didn't expect to see from John Travolta. Because, again, I've seen him in Face Off and Swordfish and Hairspray. Um, (laughs) And and I have seen Grease, and he's very romantic in that movie as well. But I think... you know, I I'm not a huge Grease fan, so I don't no, think of that either. immediately. Uh-uh. Um, for a favorite John Travolta roles, but being able to see him in this movie, I was like, wow, he's a very romantic, like sweet soul.
1: Yeah, I, and I that I comes was to, out. in Yeah, this. that
0: came out really strong that he was a very romantic person, mm-hmm. and that I found very touching.
1: Yeah, he has. Uh, so when he was dancing with Stephanie, is that when you felt he was romantic when they were dancing and looking into each other's eyes and stuff?
0: No, I mainly. F- I mainly found him to be romantic when, he was, when she was upset and so he brought her to the bridge and he was oh, like yeah. telling her about the bridge and there was really nothing romantic about it other than he was just like, you're upset and I'm going to try to make you feel better the only way that I know how by telling you about something that I love yeah. so much.
1: Yeah, and it's also symbolic to me and he gets all teary eyed because why do you think?
0: Because he knows what's over the bridge and he knows everything about where he is now and knows everything about the bridge to get there, but he doesn't know anything about what's on the other side.
1: And that's what's so cool about that scene. I mean, even as an immature, what, 17-year-old when I saw it, I was so touched by that scene.
0: Thank you for listening to this week's episode of The Movies That Made Her But Not Me. Join us next episode when Lauren and Minna take a trip to Pandora and unpack the highest grossing film of all time, Avatar. Thank you to our sponsor, Filmcred, an online film publication publishing insightful film and television reviews, interviews, video essays, and coverage of film festivals. Thank you also to Antonio Ortiz for composing our theme and all other music on this podcast. And lastly, thank you to you, listeners. We've started a podcast email for listeners to email us and provide feedback, comments, questions, and anything else you want us to know. Email us at moviesmadeher at gmail.com. Be sure to follow us at moviesmadeher on Instagram and Twitter to stay up to date on episode releases, the movies we'll be covering, and all things podcast-related.